Anita. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. This is my break from uh, the crazy life. You know, like you were telling me that you were li frantically looking at, you know, some some Twitter feed of a race. And, you know, like it's always kind of um, uh, my day is full of frantically looking at something or a feed or, you know, just like laugh life going by at the speed of light. Um I'm about to be over with that twofold question, but you know, like I, I have to ask um, that question still. Um, where are we located, Nita, and and how has been the pandemic for you so far? Well, I'm in Central Ohio, USA, and the pandemic started a little bit differently for us. I'm married, and I was actually on book tour on the West Coast, kind of the opposite end of the country. And my husband had a heart attack in the hotel the week, just like a couple of weeks before the pandemic really went into full, it was in February of 2020. And so while everyone else was very concerned about homeschooling their kids and were they working from home and all that kind of stuff, we were just trying to keep him alive. And so the first six months were very much focused on that. But now it's like everybody else where we're wondering, is it safe to go out there? Um, what's, what should we be doing? How restrictive should we be? We've been very, very careful because of his health, but, yep. uh, we've been also very fortunate that while I know, unfortunately, a lot of people who have lost loved ones and I have known some of the people who have died, um, knock on wood so far, our family hasn't been directly affected, but it, you know, it just, it's, it's always there. It's just always there in every yep. decision you make. Do we leave the house today? Do we go to this event? Do we do this thing in person or should we do it hybrid or should it just be totally Zoom? So it's it's really always there now. Um, the other thing uh, that's interesting is south of the border of where I am, you know, like I'm, I'm in Canada and, you know, like we've, we've been known to be uh, more on the cautious side. You guys have gone through. Um, you, you were talking about, you know, being on the West Coast, where you know, like they were, they were known and still are known to have been more on the cautious side. While, you know, uh, down south in Florida, you know, like they were, they were, um, you know, remarkably more. Um, how can I say, free? <laughs> <laughs> You're so let's, diplomatic. <laughs> yes, I try to keep it diplomatic, but very good. Um, where does uh, Ohio stands in in that spectrum? Well, the county that I live in is what we call a blue bubble. So it's more uh, liberal and more embracing of restrictions, health and safety restrictions. And so we were one of the first places to really shut down where they sent, you know, the university students home, the stores closed. And then gradually it rolled back. Um, but the rest of our state, most of the rest of our state is actually very conservative and much more in favor of the Floridian kind of view of the world where we yeah. you know, don't tell me what to do kind of thing. And so, uh, um, so we've just had to make our own choices. And really, the, it was, I think, just this week, they lifted the mask mandates in our county because they still had mask mandates everywhere we went which I'm comfortable with, again, given the situation of my husband being Absolutely. so sick, we have, you know, we were in a, a cardiac ICU. And so every other room 
somebody was on a ventilator. I mean, I saw what it's like for people to be on a ventilator and yeah. having that, you know, I mean, my husband was on a ventilator for a while and, um, and not from COVID, but, but having that front kind of front row view of it, I think really changed my perspective that maybe other people don't have. And maybe it's my personality too, but yeah, so we're, our county is probably much more like California. Um, but we're, even with that is things are sort of starting to open up and I feel very mixed about it. I mean, I want things to come back, but yet I'm also nervous. I'll just be honest. I'm just, you know. Yes. And, and it's, it's so funny. And, you know, I, I, I repeat myself a lot in, 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 in what I'm about to say, but you know, like one of the main reason why I do ask the question is because I'm, I'm worried that the authorities are not necessarily, um, either, either too much aware or are prepared for the kind of the post-traumatic, um, events that will come out of, you know, that, that, that two-year period. You know, like, and I mean, in in terms of depression, anxiety, uh, the confinement, as you know, like if, if you if you were the solitary type, you know, like that could have been okay. But you know, if if you're, you know, like, it, or or you you already had anxiety of crowds and all that. I mean, like this has just um, amplified those fears, right? And um, I'm not sure if the you know, if, if the authorities are really aware that, you know, like there's going to be backlash of, you know, uh, on, on the mental health state in general and, you know, like that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think, um, I'm, I'm really sorry. My dog is in the room <laughs> with me who she was asleep in the corner and I kind of forgot she's there. So if you hear background sound, that's her. Um, no problem. But yes. Yes. I, uh, the thing about politicians in general is that they're always balancing the interests of the public with their need to get reelected. Yep. And so there's always that time. I, I'm actually an attorney. And for many years, I represented politicians in employment matters. Um, and so I saw that firsthand. And so I think that's what I see is that um, wanting to be cautious and yet also wanting to please Please. as possible and, and that there's this balance um and um and going back to the mental health perspective especially with the people who have gotten long covid this is this is going to be an epidemic for a long time it and it's will. gonna yeah. it's really going to affect a lot more people than we realize and we, you know we've seen i don't know if you have that in canada but in the u.s we have the great resignation people just quitting jobs in mass and employers unable to get replacements. And so mm -hmm. you know, any, any tech support place you call there, you're going to get the recording. Wait times are much longer than usual. It's because they don't need staff. And so all of that, all of it combines um, to create a mental health drain or I'm at least a, a mood drain because yeah. there's so many things going on. And I think you're right. I think we're going to see some long-term effects. And I have to say, I feel so fortunate that I'm a runner because when I couldn't leave the house, I could go outside and run around my neighborhood. And even though I didn't meet, I normally run with a group and they stopped meeting. I mean, we didn't even meet outside um, for six months and uh, maybe even a year. It was a long time. and but we could, you know, go outside and do our thing. And, um, 
Um, and I'm so grateful for that because while I felt that sense of claustrophobia that a lot of people felt, it didn't feel as intense. And so I feel for people who don't have, you know, who always went to the gym and used, the, they needed that social and they needed that structure. And they, I mean, cause you, you don't just build those habits overnight and to, and I don't know how it was where you were, but the day my husband had open heart surgery in the morning, we went to the hospital and all day long, I was, a friend went with me. Um, all day long, we watched our city shut down. We yeah. get announcement after announcement. And by the, by the time we went home at 10 o'clock that night, the city was closed. I mean, the restaurants were closed. They'd sent the kids home. It was just shut and it was completely open. So it happened so quickly when they finally decide, well, when they finally, they, they, you know, when they decided to take that kind of action. And so, um, um, so I've always just been grateful that I had that kind of tool in my toolkit because I don't know what people did who didn't have something like that. Maybe it was crochet. I don't know what it was, but you know, something yeah, like yeah. That was an outlet. There was a state mandated curfew here, you know, like, so, mm-hmm. so, um, so that meant that by eight o'clock or, or nine o'clock, you know, like there was no one outside and, and to your, to your runnings, uh, passion, um, that first summer, um, you know, like my son was four, so he wasn't in school yet. He was at daycare. And uh, both of my, my my wife and I had a job that were um, labeled as um, essential, uh, not necessarily in the public service. We're, we're selling technology, but it was it was labeled essential. So we had to go to work, you know, like or not go to work, but we had to work. So most well, exclusively remotely, but, you know, like we had to work. My wife works um, for an SMB in Quebec. So her job was probably, you know, like if she couldn't give her, her full time to the job, you know, like she was more at risk of being laid off where I worked for um, a major corporation that, you know, like had hundreds of thousands of employees. So I knew that I had more uh, flexibility on my schedule, which meant that, you know, like that summer or at least from the pandemic uh, start to the the end of August, I'd run 870 kilometers pushing the stroller around the, my, my, my town um, because I had to find a way to spend time without going crazy and making too much noise because my, my wife was literally working, you know, like with, with customers on, on Zoom and all. Um, so I would just have like that, that big two-lay uh, running stroller, strap my son in and run, you know, and, and just be gone for a few hours because I had to be out of the house. Um, you know, like the, the parks were officially closed. But yeah, so the par- I couldn't go to the park because the park were closed. I couldn't go, you know, like there were so many places I couldn't go. So it was, you know, like there, it was no use of me getting, going in my car. And so since I, you know, I, I enjoy running, I would just put the headphones, strap my son in and go for a stroll. And, and, and I realized that, yeah, my Strava and Runkeeper told me by the end of the summer, I had run almost 900 K, you know, like, so, wow. Yeah. You know, like it was, you know, <laughs> I remember one time I was just running almost, well, not almost, I was getting bored and I looked at my watch and I had 18 kilometers in. And I was like, wow, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm almost half marathon. And my wife calls me. He's like, where the hell are you guys? You know, I'm like, well, 
you know, like I, I'm, I'm zigzagging the town and I'm almost at the half marathon mark. So just for the sake of saying that I did run an half marathon, let me... <laughs> Let me do that for that last 3K. <laughs> I should be home soon, but, I, you know, like I have to do it, you know. And it's not because I was tired. It was because I was bored. You know, like I, I, I listened to podcasts and then music and then podcasting. And I'm like, Jesus, you know, like what am I going to listen to now? Yes, and, yes. And, and, and so, so I did that half marathon really based on being bored and not knowing where to go. And, um, yeah, so my, you know, like I, I so you st you start with like the small route, and then at some point, I think it was like that huge freaking route, almost like going all around that 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 neighborhood, and you know, by the end, I was zigzagging every fucking street around my yeah, block. No, you know? that was sort of a thing where people tried to run every street in their neighborhood. Yeah, and then you look at their Strava, and you can see if the, for those not familiar with Strava, you they have a thing called a heat map and and it turns different colors and the the most intense is this very bright um red i think it is it just goes red or it might be yellow i forget but it gets really bright and my heat map you know you have the whole state is black and then just my little neighborhood is this is bright 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 every single street i think i missed two streets in the whole i know i know it was it was a, a and then by the end of the year, I got a dog, which, you know, if, if dog owners know that, you know, like the first year of a dog, you, you can't really run with them, you know, because of their, their growth. Um, and so, you know, like, so this year is going to be my year uh, getting back on, on, on it with, with him doing some canicross cross and all kinds of, you know, oh, stuff great. that I can do with the dog. And the son, my son is six going to seven in October. So the stroller, I'm, probably at the limit of pushing him in the stroller you yeah. know like you, may, you might find it you know like a bit um constraining but uh we'll see you know like i i, I can't wait but but it's still we're still in the minus celsius right now so and and i've i'm 47 i'm not i'm not old at all but you know like running in the winter i did it a couple of seasons but uh a couple of years but i find it too dangerous for the benefits you know like it, the the yeah. the high patches the 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 uncertainty of the the road you're running on um you know like i, I have a week back and you know like so I'll, i'm always kind of in you know like that 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 worry that um i can hurt my back anyways you know like all that to say that i i, I tend not to run much in the winter i i do some tread miling and you know elliptics and all stuff um i have a decent home gym so i do that stuff inside but uh, I can't wait to go outside. You know, like there's nothing better than I, I'm a huge, huge fan of trail running. That's why the race you told me about is I'm a big, big fan. And, and this is part of my bucket list to have at least one ultra somewhere in there. I don't know oh, when and should, how. Yeah, we, we should talk because I have the perfect beginner ultra for you. Ooh. I just did it this year. It's in, in Ohio here where I live. And it's... um um it's can i go ahead and talk about it or it's absolutely uh, yeah absolutely. so it's called eagle up and it's near it's in canal fulton which is in kind of the northeastern part of ohio and it's a five mile loop it's relatively flat the shortest distance is 50k which is 31 and change so that's an ultra and then they have a 50 miler 
a 100K, a 100 miler, and then 24 hour race where you just run as many laps as you can in 24 hours. And it is the best supported race I've ever seen. The trail runs right through the campground. So your tent is right by the trail. So you run past your tent five times. So you always know where the bathrooms are. You always know where the food is. You always know if you need to change your clothes, where your shoes are. It's, I mean, it's the best, um, but it is still uh, 50K. You know, 50K and you have 24 hours to do it. So you can stop, you can change your clothes, you can keep going, whatever. And it's um, the people are so friendly. Of course, I think that's normal in the trail community that people are not that the road runners aren't friendly. I've been a road runner for years, and but it's sort of a different vibe. It's just not that it is. you know you're not at that intensity against the clock kind of thing. So I'm a bit and sometimes a big the, fan. the and you know like that the the, the Street running, there, there's that that um, or that gap between the competitive runners and the recreational runners is thinner, right? You know, like so. So sometimes you can't really tell the difference between those that are just going crazy, you know, like running after whatever you know time they they want to hit. Uh, that it seems that in trail, you know, like the, you see those first competitive runners going like, pew, you know, like like bullets, and and you, you identify them quite quickly. What what gave me the, um, you know, like we're take, taking a, a, a kind of a right a, a weird tangent here, but what gave me the 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 um, kind of the the taste and and the enjoyment of running is actually Spartan racing. Um, so it started with someone on TV uh, doing a fundraiser for Tough Mudders, I think. And I was like, oh, wow, what is that? And and read about, you know, like the Tough Mudder and then what obstacle racing was. And um, and I did so freaking many. I have like a like a, a full panel of these medals of all these different obstacle racing uh, races that I did. And um and eventually, I did try a few of these trail runnings, and I was like, "Ooh, okay." And I came, I, I got, I finally registered at one street run. And the only benefit I saw in street running was the fact that I could be, I could wear headphones. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's that's the interesting part of it." But the um, running a trail that nothing beats that you know like the, there's something about the the communion with nature i i mean really really we're gonna talk be talking about meditation soon and i think there's really something meditative about you know being in the trail you know especially when you you at, you know like at some point mid-race you're alone mm -hmm. so it's you <laughs> you the trail the forest and that's it and it, it really is a a race against your your own self you know like it, it is um there is a one race that i did that my wife couldn't come with me and i think i woke up it was in ottawa so about three hours from where i was and so i woke up like really freaking early like like three or four o'clock at night um and and so I wake up like before sunrise, I drive three hours, get at this, it was kind of a, it was a mountain bike trail uh, thing. And um, and I had 25 kilometers to run, you know, like with the obstacles and all. So the biggest run of the season, 
I was kind of completing what they call a trifecta in, in Spartan, which meant that you did the 515 and then this was the 25th, uh, the 25 kilometers. And um, at some point, I realized that, you know, like I'm freaking tired and, and you know, and in my family, there are, um, there's muscular dystrophy, both my brothers, sisters, and mom have, have that, you know, like, so, and I remember just talking, I, and I'm not sure if it was out loud or to myself, you know, like maybe it was out loud, most probably, and just saying, your, your mother cannot be here running. So shut the fuck up and run. You know, like <laughs> I was literally giz- giving myself a beating on that trail that day. You know, like just like your 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 brother cannot couldn't even if he wanted couldn't be here, uh, and and even if he tried couldn't be here, um, you know, w- wouldn't be able to be here running. And so you you shut the hell up and run, and that's it. You know, I can. Um, and this was, you know, like the the crossing the finish line is something that you know, like you can it's you cannot describe that to anyone. You know, like it's um yeah, that rush is especially for an addict like me, you know, like that <laughs> stopped using. Um mm-hmm. there is a drug that, you know, like um and I, I've never trained in my life, you know, like it was really it it it, it is I have to give the props uh, sadly to someone uh, that died too young, close to, well, I say close to me, it was actually the girlfriend of my, of my father-in-law. And, um, she was, I think she was a year off of her, uh, pension. Um, huge smoker, which I was at the time, um, uh, with, with a bad, um, let's say life diet, you know, in general. Um, I didn't know her much, but I saw her, you know, like just postpone all of our projects to that in a year, I'm going to be on my pension and do this and that and this and that. And, uh, and see her die, you know, and, um, and I, you know, like it, 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 it took me, you know, like, uh, like I said, you know, like I didn't know her. So, but, but it hit me like a truck, you know, like, and, and it, it, they, they rushed their wedding both for you know like the the almost like for post-mortem legal purposes but as well as kind of a bucket listing and there's one photo of me because i was kind of the photograph and then my son or my daughter took the the, the, picture of me and i look like a fat pig you know like i was like bloated smoking bloated and um and and so this is kind of a sad night and uh you know but this photo represents where i was at you know kind of in my life and um and it it just hit me and um and and and, and i got addicted to training you know just just wanted to you know like that rush of endorphin is so much and i got a son later um you know uh he's he's six now but you know like that's so that's I'd say maybe 10, 12 years ago. And, um, and w- when, when she, my wife got pregnant, I was like, okay, I cannot, um, at 40, well, 47 now, I cannot be, uh, unable to follow him and run after him in a park or whatever, you know? So anyways, um, we're probably going to be talking again about racing and running and, and meditation. So, 
what I do with my guests if I do the back, I do go back to the regular programming of my my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I ask my guests to rewind their life story tape to a point where they would say it's um, it's kind of life defining moment or where it kind of uh, fascinated uh, the the way they what they became or what you know who they are today. Where would you bring me back, Nita? Well, there's two moments. Um, the most recent one, which is probably, it's not the most important one, but the one that I tend to talk about the most now is in 2010, just about now, might've been a few months before, um, I was sitting on the sofa, much like you described, very bloated. I was much larger than I am now. I don't know if I was eating bonbons, but there was definitely some food going on and very, very depressed, chronically depressed, had been for years, but was in a very downward spiral. I'd had a year, a couple of years before where seven family members and a cat that I love very much or seven different people and a cat, um, including my 24-year-old niece, my father-in-law and my mother died in the same 11-month period of time. And so it, this was a couple of years after that. But a lot of times when you have a grief cycle like that, when you have that much death, it takes a little while before it really takes you down. And because there were all the things to do and I had other things going on. And then that all faded away. And it was just me and the bonbons, essentially. So I'm sitting there surfing social media and a high school friend posted Call me crazy, but this running is getting to be fun. And I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I had ever heard anyone say, read. <laughs> I thought we should probably call people in, do a wellness check on her. You know. <laughs> um, but I watched and she was doing an interval training plan. She was at least as you know the size I was. I think she's a year older. And I watched her. And I didn't jump to it right away. A few days later, I think I looked at the training plan and it said 60 seconds of jogging. And if it had said five minutes of jogging or 60 seconds of running or pretty much anything else, um, and it said a lot more than that, but that's what I saw. And so that kind of stuck in my head. And about this time of year, in this spring, we're recording this in the spring, so I'll talk about it now. In central Ohio, where I live, there's these little flowers called crocuses and also snowdrops. And often they, they're bulbs, they pop out sometimes in the snow. There'll be snow on the ground. These little flowers pop up. And one day I looked out the window and I saw those popping up and that echo of 60 seconds of jogging and the the you know, the messages from my friend who looked like she was having fun and I was not having fun. I mean, there was no fun. And in fact, I had actually contemplated um, taking my life. I was at that place where I just could not see a way out of things. I, even though I had so many reasons to live, I have a very wonderful husband. I have family who loves me. I was writing, although I wasn't published. I, you know, I had a lot of things that were really good. But when you have mental health issues, none of that matters. It's not logical. Mm -hmm. um, suicidal ideation it has no component of logic in it at all. And so I 
leashed up our yellow Labrador retriever, Morgan, as a decoy because I wanted them, the neighbors to just think I was walking the dog. I pulled on, you know, these two tight, ancient sweatpants, dug a pair of running shoes from the back of the closet and um, picked up a digital kitchen timer, one of those little plastic timers because I never watched anything, and walked the dog down into this ravine that's kind of hidden. It's in our neighborhood, but it's these long lots. So it's, people probably can see you, but it, it, you're really secluded. It's a very secluded area. And I stood there for a long time. And then eventually I hit that timer and I ran for 60 seconds. And so that seeing that initial post and then the percolation of that culminating in actually jogging for 60 seconds with the dog, it put me on this trajectory that sometimes when I look back, it's hard for me to even believe because I was so incapable of doing anything that I'm doing now. I still have struggles. I still have chronic depression. I still have days where I have trouble getting out of bed, all the kinds of, it didn't cure me. But I have been able to do so much um, with physically, emotionally, with writing, things that I just couldn't accomplish. And the main component that was missing was the physical component. I already had um, meditation, which we can talk about. I already had excellent mental health care. I'm very, very uh, privileged, I'll just say, because I have good mental health care. And in our country, that doesn't happen to everyone. I had a therapist. I was on medication. I had a psychiatrist. Um, and it felt like the missing piece was movement. And when I added that in, it was the endorphins we talk about. It's actually endocannabinoids. We don't hear a lot about that, but it's actually the same same neurotransmitter that people get high on with pot. Um, combined with the structure of checking things off on that schedule, that little mm -hmm. interval training schedule, and then eventually adding a social component. When I wanted more structure in my training, I joined a group. And even though I'm an off-the-scale introvert, that turned out to be a good thing. And so I had a, a community support and all of those pieces combined um, to give me a balance that I didn't have. So, so it sort of always feels like a three-legged stool and I only had two of the legs going on. I had the meditation piece. I had, I also do a thing called writing practice, but I had like the mental health, the meditation piece. I had the writing practice piece, but the movement piece is the part that was missing. And once I added that, that stool could be stable. Um, more often than not. So that's that was the that's the biggest moment. The other moment, which actually happened much, much longer ago, um, is about meditation. And there was this guy that I really liked. And we were dating. And one day he said, Hey, you want to sit? And I said, What? And what he was talking about was meditation. You want to sit. And he had been meditating for several years then. And he set the microwave timer for five minutes and said, try to notice your breath and try not to fidget. Those were my first meditation instructions were just notice your breath, try not to fidget. And that man who eventually became my husband um, and I kind of went on a whole meditation journey where we eventually brought people to Columbus to have retreats and do all kinds of things. And so that's always that's been a part of my life a long, long time. It was funny because I did write a book about my running journey 
And meditation is so ingrained in everything that I do that while I mentioned it, I really didn't explain it very well. And I didn't realize that until after the book came out and people were asking, but how did you, but how did you, but how, you know, and I realized, oh, wait, that's, that's so, it's almost like a, you know, how fish doesn't see water or whatever. Yeah. And so the next book that's actually coming out in August, I explain <laughs> the meditation part of how I'm doing that. So, um, so yeah, so those are the two pivotal moments. I also, um, like you, I do have an addiction history and there was that moment, which happened shortly before the meditation moment, uh, when I decided I, um, let's just say that drinking was a bad idea. That uh, is like, it's sort of a very long story, but I didn't have a lot of the consequences a lot of people have, but inside there just came a day where, um, even it though screamed, I had tried to, yeah, well, I had louder. Tried to, yeah, I tried to not, um, drink a lot often and failed miserably. And eventually I got help for that. And, um, you know, the day came where it was just so obvious that there was just no other way but to do that 100%. And that's, that's what's so hard is it seems like there ought to be another way. We should be able to just recreationally, you know, and some people can't. They're fine. And that's just not an option. For me. And it, it, it's not like a, I didn't try, you know, like it, that's the, that's the thing. You know, like it's, it's a, okay. So our liquor is a no, no for me now, or, 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 or beer is a no, no for me, or, you know, and, 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 you know, or brown liquors gives me headache or makes me throw up or, or clear hard liquors are bad for me, you know, like, and, and mm -hmm. all kinds of fucking scenarios or, 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 story you you know storytelling you you do yourself and and at some point you know like it, it comes down to i so i had two major addictions it was mostly it was pot mostly and it was uh, alcohol i would you know combine both was kind of the best of both world um and i was starting to get um psychosis um so out of whatever small obstacle in my life i would lose my you know i would lose my mind um and that day i lost a screwdriver you know which you know may seem really ridiculous now and i i love remembering it but i at the time i i have my own small company that does tech support for uh home users of computers and so I do need that screwdriver and I'm about to go on a, on a scheduled call. And so I park in front of the customer stone to the gills and, um, I can't find that freaking screwdriver. And so, because it's an, it's mostly an ego, uh, ego, egoistical, um, uh, sickness that the purpose of that crisis is to call everyone that likes or loves me and tell him how miserable I am because I lost that fucking screwdriver. You know, like it's, it's, it work in that kind of loop, you know, like, or, or, and, um, so I, I'm probably 30 minutes of, <clears throat> of driving from, from home. And my, my, my parents lives a few blocks from where I live. And so I do like my round of, of complaining to everyone and, you know, just me, 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 you know, like I love, it's, it's, it's when I look back at it, you know, like it's, it's, 
I would have probably kicked myself in the face. You know, I could just like shut the, you know, <laughs> that was probably not the right thing to do, but I can't, I can't stand myself, you know, like, like that, you know, like so. And um, the last person I, I reach out to, um, and so it was my then girlfriend, the, the mother of my kids. And then it was, uh, you know, uh, you know, like, so doing the round. And then the last person is actually my father. And he's like, can you, can you slowly drive back home? Just cancel that. You know, like you can't find a screwdriver, you know, what, what can you do? And just drive slowly back home, which he didn't know, but you know, like the past few months I, I had been kind of, um, thinking about getting a car accident, you know, which was kind of my way of you know, thinking about suicide right. without really yes. thinking about suicide. And one of the, one of my logic, if I can call it that was that, you know, like if I'm in chronic pain, I could justify my pot use, you know, like just that's how messed up my brain was working at the time, which comes back to what you were saying. You know, like there's no logic behind um, these kind of thoughts. And so my father, without knowing, just goes, can you drive back slowly to home? And he meant home, you know, like his place, not home, my place, you know. And uh, and so I drive back and without even me getting off the car, you know, like he jumps on the passenger seat. And, you know, he, he gets in the car and, and, and so I, I park and um, I start crying, you know, like just. And all, you know, like, and those are words that, you know, like. Will I will forever be uh, grateful to my father for, and he just said, "Don't you want to help yourself?" And I let go. I just, you know, like I, I fell apart. You know, like it was like whatever it is. You know, like I, I don't know what to do now. You know, like I'm 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 in a fucking dead end right now. You know, like I I don't know what to do. What I didn't know is that you know, like my girlfriend was threatening to leave with the kids for a few months now, you know, like, so, um, so my father knew that, you know, like there was something really, really wrong was, was going on. And, um, so I went therapy a few days later, uh, actually a week later. Um, so yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. You know, like it's, a, it's a spiral of, um, playing options and, and it, with, with, with the, with kind of the bag of excuses that you play to everyone that's around you and that, that sees way more clearly than you see, you know, like that's, that's the thing. And they're like, ah, Nita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, in the new book, uh, that's not, it's coming out in August. There's a chapter called tricky mind mm -hmm. and it's about that, um, sort of the story that we add on to everything, how there's always the story. And I remember that from um, both the addiction part of my life, which has been very many years now, but also the mental health piece that even sober, even not, you know, even not having any of those chemicals in my system, that mind can still make up those stories. Absolutely. And so I have to be working with that all the time to, uh, to keep that. And I think that's, I mean, I have a official diagnoses, but you don't have to have an official diagnosis to have those no, stories going on. <laughs> no. And you know, like I, I've read, I've read the, uh, you know, I, I talk, I talked about the Spartan races, but you know, like his book is, you know, like about, you know, like kind of his philosophy and, you know, like how he created the Spartan races and based on his way of seeing things. And, 
the physical beating that he gives the the people racing and and his, himself by the way you know like this guy will will push a hundred burpees while waiting at the airport just for the sake of almost hurting himself you know like and and it, his argument is that this will never be as tough as what life throws at you right so be prepared buddy you know like just be prepared because life's a bitch and it's going to be you know hitting you hard and um and it's it's uh it's really that way of thinking that um that you know kind of crafted sometimes you know like me uh breaking those tricks right or breaking those you know like this this almost like that fantasy that you play yourself you know and and it's funny i just came back from vacation for you know like our son's spring break and you know we were in jamaica and the first so two things you know, like i tried to do the ketogenic uh diet you know like so what so it was a break on that sure you know like it was it was hard to do this i do if and turned in fasting so right. i again you know like everyone goes breakfast okay so i'm gonna not be skipping breakfast i'm not gonna be so i, bro I broke my fast all week so i could i could deal with that um so pretty much based on the social gathering that it creates, you know, like you, everyone goes to the buffet. I would look like a asshole not eating, you know, so, so everyone is eating. So, okay. But I made myself suffer on the treadmill of the hotel's gym. And my wife was like, I don't know I had blisters all over my feet because my shoes are, you know, my shoes are done, but you know, like I, I that's the only pair I brought. So I went and, so I got blisters <laughs> on my feet. And my wife's like, why do you do that? I'm like, I have to I have to kick myself in in you know in 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 the back. I have to do it. You know, like because first it's gonna break that my, my training cycle that I've initiated when the year began. And um and second, there's something about um, getting that endorphin rush that's super important for me you know like so sure i could break a couple of you know good habits or healthy habits that i you know I, i've been intermittent i've been fasting for over 10 years 12 years you know like, like that you know like i do 12 to 8 and you know like just just do that and um and the the keto you know like I, I did it for a while and then stopped and then i started over uh when the, the year began um which fits me well you know again it's you know everyone find you know their bill here um but it was it was you know like the training it was super important you know so just treadmill the hell every afternoon when we go back before you know like kind of you know like the 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 old routine of showering before going to dinner i would just like okay everyone's relaxing i'm gonna go beat my ass and be back in you know <laughs> in an hour and uh i was like i don't know how you do it i'm like well it's just life's gonna throw much worse to me you know like at some point <laughs> there's a there's a great meme this reminds me of and it it basically says I'm really, really tired. So the only thing I think I can do is a five mile run. Yeah. <laughs> can't do the laundry. Can't finish writing this. Can't make that phone call. Only thing I can do is go run until I want to drop. <laughs> I know. I know. And, and it's so crazy because, um, uh, you know, like I, I was talking about, you know, like that pandemic stretch that I had and, it was it was almost like okay you know like i 
I got to go out and you're like, there's nothing beats that, you know, like your brain, you flush every darkness that your brain has accumulated. Um, there is really something, you know, like, like I said, you know, like I do it stationary as I did on vacation here because it's winter. Well, sure. I can binge watch, you know, like anything streaming, you know, like, which, which is not bad. You know, like it, it, it drives your mind off um of whatever you know but running outside because the awareness needed you know like you cannot just be in your head you have to be aware of your surroundings and all um it it really clears your mind you know like it really does clear your mind it is it is unbelievable um i have to ask um you talked about you know like um having ingrained you know meditation into kind of you know like your new lt life routines um tell me a bit more about this you know like what 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 kind of meditation are you doing now what kind what what is what is a what is a a a daily uh lt diet both mentally spiritually physically what it what is it now for for nita well when i run i choose an object of meditation so that can be Usually it's a body sensation, which it could be the breath, but usually it's one of the other senses for me. And the one that is the most prominent, which makes it the easiest to use, are sensations in my left foot. I'm not sure why. I think it's because there I have a congenital defect in my ankle. And so there's probably tingling and things like that that happen in that foot that don't happen in the other foot. So when I run, often I will notice what my left foot feels like. I will just notice how it feels in my shoe. I will notice if it hurts, if it feels good, if it's, um, as we say, pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And then my mind will wander and I'll be thinking about, oh, how much further I have to go or what I need to write tomorrow or what we're going to have for breakfast after I'm done, you know, something else. And then I'll remember, and this is possibly the most important part, is that remembering. I'll remember, oh, that's right. I was meditating. And I will very, very gently, without any shouting at myself, bring my mind back to the sensations of that foot. And that's the simplest form. That's the basic thing is to just choose something. It could be vision. Sometimes I run in our basement. I'm, I'm, um, I guess afraid is probably the best word. I don't do well on treadmills. I have vertigo. And when I am, do more than about a mile on a treadmill, I'll get off of it and I'll feel like I'm going to throw up and fall down. So, um, so we created a little track. It's a very small track in our basement. And so sometimes when the weather gets awful, I will run in that track and I will notice color. So it'll be an orange, a piece of, you know, orange tree that's in a painting as I'm going by or a orange exercise ball or an orange, you know, just uh, maybe an exercise band that'll be orange. And I'll just, as I go around, I'll notice anything orange. And then maybe the next lap, I'll notice anything yellow. And the idea with this form of meditation, which is it's mindfulness is the main word or insight. Uh, Vipassana is the 
like Sanskrit word for it. But the idea is to just be exactly where your body is. Have your mind be where your body is in the present moment, the only moment that actually exists. And so all of those things are techniques to bring the mind back to where I'm actually at. Not that there's anything wrong with thinking. I mean, sometimes I just let my mind wander because I need to figure something out or, you know, I want to figure out what I'm doing next and I'll just let my mind go. That's completely fine. Nothing wrong with that. But when I choose to meditate, that's how I do it. Sometimes in the spring here in central Ohio, we have lilac bushes and they're amazing. And the fragrance is just, ah, yeah. And so when there's a very short window of when those are that potent and that will be that, that scent will be my sensation. And what's interesting with that is because if I'm running through the neighborhood, there aren't lilacs everywhere. And so I notice the scent and then I notice the absence of the scent and I notice my longing for the scent and try to kind of open up to letting it be okay that there's no scent. And then also notice the huge pleasure that comes with the scent. So I'm about being very present and also experiencing kind of the push and pull on want and not want. We call it craving and aversion. Uh, I want the scent. I don't want the not scent, you know, things like that. Um, um, So those those are just some examples. There's, it's, there's, it, there's a million ways to do it, but that's the, those are the two that came to mind first. It's funny because I've read a book and I haven't read it all, but I've read a book about doing odd breeding. So instead of uh, doing even breeding, you do odd breeding. So either in, 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 in fives or in sevens. Uh, so, so that you, you make sure that you don't uh, inspire on the same foot that you expire and alternatively. And it, right. it, it it's proven that it can cause an imbalance if, if you keep doing even breeding because, you know, like you always inspire on the same foot and expire on the same foot. Um, and this is, as I can, I realize is what you're telling is my own uh, meditation, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because you're building focus, you're building concentration And the other part of it, which you may not have incorporated or you may have incorporated without knowing it, is you're building what's called equanimity, which is a balanced mind. So there may be part of you that goes, man, I just want to breathe the way I want to. I don't want to do this. But there's another part of you that says, let's just try this. And that's the equanimity piece where you can kind of be okay with the little bit of discomfort because, you know, there's a benefit. And... Um, in that situation, you're actually um, changing your breath or doing something with your breath, which is a little bit different. The type of meditation I do, you would just notice, oh, I'm breathing um, mm-hmm. on even steps uh, or notice, oh, I'm breathing on odd steps as opposed to trying to change it. But that's there's there's that's completely OK to incorporate that because it's the w- awareness that's so important. And I did, um, I do, a, it's called chi running as a, a form. It's a training to change your running form or to improve your running form. And they talk about cadence a lot. So um, you are trying to build, to increase the number of beats per minute that you run 
And when I first started out, my beats were like 150 and you want to be closer to 180. So you very gradually, very good. You know, I use a metronome actually, clip on metronome. And, um, and that's, but they say that to do the, to do the odd for that very reason, because it's, you can't, it's too fast to try to do, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. And if you always do left, 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 you're going to hit harder on that fur, on that foot. So you set the beat almost like a waltz. So it's like left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. So that you're never hitting on the same foot um, in a row. You know, the, the, the beat is not ever on the same foot at in a row is what I mean. Mm-hmm. I'm not, maybe make it you're you're nodding we can see each other you're nodding but um but that's it's a similar thing because you want to be aware whatever you're doing um keeps your body in balance so that you're not putting any extra strain on a part than you need to because we need to be relaxed as much as we can even though we're exerting and that's the other thing about the movement meditation is with meditation you're alert but you're relaxed and that's a weird state um, especially when you're sitting, we often close our eyes or, or um, unfocus them. And in our culture, the mind says, oh, time to go to sleep. But we want to stay awake. And so we're upright and or moving. And, uh, you know, we have our eyes open. So you're but yet you want to relax because you don't need to exert any extra energy, only the exact amount of energy that's necessary for whatever you're doing. That's the most efficient way. And, and because your focus becomes how tedious and painful that run is. If if you don't drift your mind away, you know, like let's say you want to do a half marathon or even a 10K and, you know, at five and six and seven, when you break those, what they call walls, you know, like, you know, um, if you don't drift your mind away, it just becomes that wall, you know, like so, so your concentration and your quote unquote meditation becomes how painful it is, how long it is, how boring it is, da, 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 da. You know, like it, it again, you know, like it's kind of a bad and, and, and negative spiral that you fall in where if I, you know, like I, I was talking about that half marathon that I ran without even knowing it was all about keeping my mind away about the fact that I was literally running an half marathon. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about beating time, which I could have maybe think about, but it was not about that. I was just taking my mind away from what I was doing, and so it wasn't painful. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, unpleasant. It wasn't. Where if you'd a- asked me that morning, "Hey, you want to run an half marathon?" I was like, "Hey, f off!" You know, like it's <laughs> it's way too much. You know, like it, it's way too long. It's mm-hmm. it's. You know, at some point, boring because it's over two hours and so on and so forth. Um, but no, because you know, like I kept my mind away by probably some of these breathing exercises. For me, this has been kind of an eye opener, and I'm going to be looking into chi running, no doubt, because you know, like there's, I think there is really something about making sure that you keep a balance. I started running by going as close to barefoot as I could, which means that you know, like instead of um, eel running. I tend to flat or tip running, um, but I didn't have to change that uh, that stride because I didn't have a stride. I didn't run, you know. Like so, I just started like that, you know. Like so, um, 
so I don't have to think about it. You know, like it's it's just natural that you know, like I I, I tend to run more flat footed and and yeah. towing. Um, Let me just say one thing. I'm going to interrupt you for a second if I can. Go ahead. So. What if instead of trying to distract yourself or keep your mind away, you went so fully into the pain, you completely focused on nothing but the pain? What would happen then? God knows. That, that's interesting. It, it, that's, that's super the, interesting. Yeah, that's, that's more the technique that I am teaching or that I offer, that I do, let's say. Um, because if you can distract yourself, that's fantastic. In my experience, especially as I run longer distances or try to run faster or you know lift more weight, jump higher, whatever, any anytime I increase the intensity, at some point, it might be mental pain, but there will be pain I cannot escape. And mm-hmm. of course, we know in life, there will always come a day when there will be pain we cannot escape. And so the suggestion in this type of meditation is to learn in tiny little doses, not a whole half marathon, you know, tiny, those 60 seconds of jogging kind of doses, how to be completely with the pain, actually get curious about it and see if something doesn't open up there and then pull away. You know, we titrate, we Dip in, pull away, dip in, pull away. Um, but it's a skill set to be with whatever comes up so that we're not always running toward pleasure and away from pain. I mean, in general, we will. That's just, that's a human condition. We will. Yeah. But that, that we can learn how to be more conscious about it and have more choice about it so that we're not always chasing the pleasure. And believe me, I'm still a, a big pleasure chaser. It's I'm not don't have oh, yeah. this down at all. Need, need to, you know, but I was joking. Somebody, uh, uh, I can't remember who. Somebody said something about, oh, you must be, you know, really good. I, I forget exactly what she said, but I, I said we teach what we need to learn. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was like, I teach, it, I teach what I need to learn, and um, um, but it's just a little. It's a tiny twist on what most people think of as meditation because people think of it as blissing out or calming down or, um, you know, be happy, uh, good vibes only, all that kind of thing. And this is different from that. This is, there's overlap. Okay. There's overlap with it, but this is a little bit different than that. So that you're actually facing whatever comes as it arises so that you don't have to be spending all your time, you know, want like uh sidestepping all the bad stuff and all that energy to try to do that so i i had um i think it was five or six years ago one of the last big race that i did was a, a trail run in the mountain um and uh, we were supposed to be three work colleagues uh we, we we registered all three of us and one uh tear a muscle a few months before so he couldn't do it and the second one that weekend just choked on me and said wrote me that morning said well too bad you know and i badly prepared for it you know like i i i thought i was ready but clearly wasn't and i added to that um i don't know 
I don't know how I thought this was a good idea, but decided to break a new pair of shoes that day. Just, just bad judgment. I know just bad judgment over bad judgment, right? You know, like just, just bad ideas one over another. Um, so I started just to, to, to the point of, you know, like kind of uh, embracing or meditating on the pain. So I think it was, I'd say, between 15 and 20-something kilometers. But all that to say, you know, like it was a, an uncertain path. And, you know, so a lot of some climbing and, you know, um, rocky. Anyways, it was, it was a nice, I, I would say, um, um, intermediate kind of run. I'd say at two-thirds of the race, my brain and my body convinced me, but, you know, I'm going to elaborate on it, but convinced me that I had lost my right uh, big toe nail. Completely. And so to the point where I could feel, I could completely feel Physically, mentally, the pain was there. I could feel the loose nail in my shoe going all over my other toes. I could feel the blood rush, you know, like pouring in the shoe. I was literally looking because I said, at some point, I'm going to see blood, right? You know, like it's, 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 it's it, I would feel it floating. I could feel um, everything, you know, like just absolutely convinced that, you know, like I, I had lost a nail like a, a toenail. I, I mean, there was there was no doubt in my mind, you know, no doubt the pain was so excruciating that, you know, like th- th- that was it, you know, like, and I dread a lot about this, you know, like I had read a lot about people running so much that they would lose nails, you know, like, so it made sense, you know, like it was just, okay, you didn't prepare well, you're breaking shoes. Okay, that's it. You know, like that's uh, too bad, you know, like I'm, I'm not gonna not finish this because of that, you know. And so uh, they they do, you know, like they trick us into kind of a last loop where I could see the finish line. And because of the horizon, they made it do like a left turn. So there was like a few kilometers left, like just a fucking painful thing. You know, like it was just, it was just, it was just painful, you know. And so you could hear people go, oh, you know, like just <laughs> the few, the, the dozen that was around me just felt the same way I did, you know, like, just like, oh, oh, you know, like, just like, it was, it was a lot. And so I finally crossed the finish line. I I don't work there anymore, but I have a colleague at the time that still has a WhatsApp voicemail message on his phone where it probably was half an hour before finishing that I call him, the one that had tear his muscle. And he'd still laugh listening to that, that message because I'm, I sound like if I'm dying, you know, like I'm just, I'm just like, you motherfucker. <laughs> it, it is awful. That message is awful. I said, I do this for you because, you know, like I want to honor what we registered for, but I'm, I, <laughs> I'm in pain, man. It's tough. Fuck you. And, and you fucking race, you know, like it, it, it's really bad. <laughs> And so I finished the race. Call my wife. Said I'm 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 I think I lost. Uh, I haven't looked yet, but you know, like I said, I think I lost the nail and blah blah blah. <laughs> and so I I go like just like um, 
almost like on one foot to my car and I'm just, I don't want to take off my shoe. I'm like, it's going to be a bloodbath. You know, like it's going to be just a disaster. So I take off the shoe like super carefully, loosening up and taking it off and look at my socks. There's nothing. I'm like, what? And I, I'm convinced, you know, like, so I take off my side. I'm like, and, you know, like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, you know, like, I don't want to look at this. And I'm like, Ugh, and take off my socks. I have nothing, not even a freaking blister. My foot is in perfect condition. <laughs> nothing. And huge, huge, huge lesson. Of how you know, like if 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 I if I am not careful, my brain can actually tell me whatever I can and cannot do, and trick me into thinking that I can or cannot do something. Right. Um, it's the tricky mind, yeah. And it starts with sensation because your toe hurt. There's no does. question that your toe hurt. The pain was real, but it's the story. See. Yeah. And the story is like four steps removed because we have the sensation and then we have, oh, I don't like the sensation. There's this whole series of steps. And then we make this story and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so that's the that's part of what how the practice helps is we remind ourselves that we don't actually know. I, you know, it's possible that my toenail fell off. That's entirely possible. Makes sense. But I don't know yet. I don't I don't know for sure. Let's just keep running and see what happens. And then, you know, okay, the pain hurts. Well, that's not pleasant. Let's think about something else for a little while. And then eventually the pain will, it won't let you think about anything else. Okay. Well, what's pain like? And your mind screaming, oh, my toenail's gone. It's going to be like, it's like, well, that's possible. You know, and so you learn through the meditation process, you're kind of talking back, but it's more an inquiry. It's more a very gentle, calm um, uh, questioning. Um, is that true? Do I know that's the kind of thing like that? And, and you practice it with tiny little things like your nose itches or not liking the fact that you already passed the lilac smell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, practice, you practice with little stuff like that. So that when that day comes where you're convinced your toenail has fallen off, You'll already have built the skill set as opposed to you know, sort of like trying to build your parachute after you've already jumped out of the plane. It was sort of too yeah. late by then. Um, but yeah, that's you're exactly talking about it. That's exactly it. And our minds are just amazing. I and mean, that's why people can bu- write these stories with these worlds that we can't imagine. And, you know, they create these characters and stuff. That's It's the same tool. And it's not it, it, bad. It's not bad. It's just and, 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 how we use it. And and actually to that point, that's how I saw people that were way more fitter than I was sitting on that mountain hilltop crying and mm-hmm. abandoning races. Yes. You know, like I, I did one in Vermont where it was it, it, it was a Spartan race, but it was kind of, you know, they call that like the world championship and some, some TV broadcasting was there. And, and so they, they just wanted to mess us up. You know, like it, it was, we knew it was the intention, you know, like it, it was, it was like 40 something obstacles. It was, it was just bad, 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 bad. Um, and I remember one of the, one of the challenges was lifting like a sandbag 
and I couldn't see where it would loop back to go back down. You know, like so, I, you know, like I could see people climbing with that sandbag, but I didn't see, and I could see people go coming back down to drop back the sandbag and continue the race, but I couldn't see up to where they would. So it was like a high climb, and there were at least three people sit uh, sitting on their sandbag crying because they were quitting. Their brain was just like, you can't do it. Yeah. And they were in much better shape physically and visually. They were in much better shape than I was. Um, and it, it it was just mind games. Mm-hmm. It was yep. just the mind games. And, yep. you know, like it's it's funny because you know, like their, their uh, motto uh, at Spartan Race is you'll know at the finish line. And it's precisely what happens. You know, like you, you kind of realize that, oh, shit, you got me, you know, because at some point I was sure, you know, like I heard someone, I think someone pulled out like those those gels, right? You know, like those uh, carb gels. Right. And I remember, you know, like there was one guy that said, I would just kill for you to share one with me. <laughs> and I was like, wow. He's like, yeah, please, you know, <laughs> give me one. And, you know, it, 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 your brain can can bring you or elevate you, yes. uh, bring you down or elevate you to places that you can never imagine. So it is. Uh, yeah. And that's why we do it. I, that's why we do these kind of what, other, you know, people who don't crazy. do what we do, they're kind of crazy. But we push ourselves because um because sometimes you have to have that intensity to get that reward. You, it, you're not going to do it yourself. You're not going to do it sitting at home playing video solitaire. Well, I mean, unless you play a thousand games and that gives you a hit. But, um, but there, there's something about, especially the physical component of yeah. doing the impossible. I mean, I, I never thought I would run a marathon. I never thought I'd run an ultra marathon. I never thought I'd run at all. And um, and there's just something about doing things that you really think you can't do that it alters your brain forever. It really does. So, so yeah. Uh, tell me about uh, both books, you know, like the book that's already out and uh, the book that will be coming out later this year. Uh, what, what, what's the book's name that's already out? Well, the f- I actually have three books. The first okay. book is the Running and Mental Health Memoir, Depression Hates a Moving Target. And it's how running with my dog brought me back from the brink. And that, as I said, it's a running and mental health uh, memoir. It won the Dog Writers Association of America Award for the Human-Animal Bond. So it got some good kudos. It has some great reviews. Um, It's been selling pretty well. I've been very happy with that. And it was kind of a dream come true because I had tried to get published for years and years and years. And until I started running, I didn't have the stamina to finish like a book is very much like a marathon. (laughs) There's this period where you hit a wall and you just can't do it. And you just have to keep going anyway. And I didn't have the stamina. So that book actually came out in 2019, but it's still selling. In fact, it's selling better now than it was when it first came out and it's available ebook and audiobook. The second book I'm using air quotes there is actually a writing journal that I co-wrote with my, um, she's actually the associate publisher of the publishing company that publishes my books, Mango Publishing. Brenda Knight is her name. And we co-wrote a book. It's blank pages with author quotes at the top, and they're organized by topic. So there's uh, little chapters that have quotes about particular things. And so that's called You Should Be Writing. And it's a book of inspiration and instruction to keep your pen moving. 
Um, so that's been out for about a year now. And then the third book, which I'm very excited about, is coming out in August, and that's available for pre-order. That's the one that was featured in a uh, book roundup in the Wall Street Journal um, in January. It's called Make Every Move a Meditation, Mindful Movement for Mental Health, Well-Being, and Insight. And it is my experience combined with the um, education I have about meditation. I've been meditating now for over 25 years. I've studied with a number of different teachers. And I actually went to a training program to become certified to be a meditation leader. So I have those that skill set. But like I said, I've been meditating for a long time. And I've also been teaching meditation in a writing class. I teach people write to meditate also because it helps with the creativity process and also to help with the inner critic. And so that's coming out in August. I'm very excited about that one. Like I said, it's available for pre-order. So yeah, that's the right now we've got three three books we're juggling and having fun. And I wanted to tell you the Canadian audiobook right now on Amazon is like a number one bestseller in running and jogging and three categories. Wow. Like every other day, I get the badge, the little orange bestseller. It's I don't know. It's I mean, it's you. I don't know, but um, um, but it's the Canadian one. It's so funny, and and I'm sure my publisher probably is doing some stuff behind the scenes to help that happen. They maybe advertising. I don't. know. But I'm so excited every day. I pull up the Canadian audiobook. It's like, oh my gosh, there's the badge. Getting That's really cool. <laughs> That's really, that is really cool. So. And so, I, I, as as usual, for everyone that listens, just scroll down into the description. Nita will have sent me all of these links, you know, like for to finding the books and and to pre order as well as the book that's launching this year. Um, yeah, you know, like uh, every links that um, Nita will share with me, I'll share with you uh, that listens. Um, Nita, it was a pleasure having you on, and um, you, you you just mentioned you have one more thing to tell me. I do have a free ebook for people if they would like that's, um, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 pages. It's called Three Ways to Heal Your Mind. And it's a summary of the three things that help me stay on the planet, which we talked about. Um, And if you sign up for that, you end up on my little newsletter. You can unsubscribe. But I have a little newsletter that goes out maybe once a month. It just sort of, I share little tips about what I'm doing, what's helping me with whatever's going on right now. And then there's news when, you know, the cover of the book comes out, you, the newsletter people see that first. If there's any other kind of little things, they always get that news first because they have given me, you know, their email addresses. So, so yeah, so make sure they check that out too. That'll be in the list too. But thank you so much. It, thanks to you, Nita. You know, like I, I didn't expect our conversation to go uh, uh, actually not, so all over the place that much but you know like it was a interesting conversation it's funny this week i i've recorded uh for those that listen you know like it's you know my, my, i have a i have a kind of a almost like a backlog of podcast recording so i record two a week so you can imagine that you know like uh, this will probably if you listen to this it's probably uh, april or something like that you know like so um all that to say that you know like this week uh so you, last saturday's episode uh, was actually a numerologist and I never expected, you know, like I, I tend to be careful about, um, and I told him, you know, like I tend to be careful about esoteric stuff and, you know, like I'm, 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 I'm very wary of, you know, like that stuff, but the guy blew me the fuck away, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like the guy took my name and took, you know, like my birth date and, 
started playing with numbers and all and and and, and you know like he, the the guy didn't know me you know like and, and and started pulling off stuff that and and all that to say that you know like sometimes i i don't ex- i i don't know what you know like our conversation is going to end up be, be become and 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 tonight was one of those nights that you know like uh, it was a great conversation i had and um not necessarily um precisely what you know like sometimes i i talk about you know like or what was the genesis of the podcast but it, it is always about expanding our our my, my listeners minds always at expanding well first mine actually you know like it's it's a it's a it's an egoistic project first of all you know like i like i like talking with people and i like um broadening and, and expanding my mind you know like and 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 you helped me do so tonight and uh, it was a pleasure having you on really Oh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for uh, letting me talk to you and your listeners. It's great pleasure. I'm, I'm just, I feel like I know you so much better and that's always lovely. So thank you again. Thanks. Take care, Nita. Mm-hmm.